0: you're listening to blackpool church podcast join us for our sunday gatherings to make friends explore faith and encounter god visit our website blackpool.church this is the talk archive Happy December everybody, happy December. Um, If we haven't met yet, my name is John, name Amnesty, thanks for that, Sam. My name is John Um, uh, and if we haven't met yet, I'd love to um, catch up at the back at the end or over some card writing or Christmas present wrapping, we could do that later, that'd be great. Um, Give me a wave if you have an Advent calendar this year. Who doesn't have one? Most people don't have one. I have one. I open, I didn't open my chocolate today, but I opened it yesterday. Well, believe it or not, Advent, as you can see on the screen, is not just a wonderful excuse to put chocolate eating into our daily routines. Advent is it's a Christian festival that we're in right now and starting um it starts on the first of December. Yes it does. Advent calendar. First of December. Um, (laughs) And and, and it's all about thinking about and preparing for the coming of Jesus. And over the next few weeks, we're going to zoom in and hopefully learn from a few key characters in the Advent story. And for anyone who's been in uh, or seen a school nativity, I'm not talking about Innkeeper 20 or Octopus 1 or whatever the the characters that schools like to add these days. I'm not even going to be talking about Mary or Joseph today, which we will do later And if my my talk was going to have a title today, as Heather said earlier, it would be um, Disgrace, Doubt, and Destiny. So if you're writing notes, that goes right at the top. So we're going to read from um, the Bible today. We're going to look at um, this subject and these people. We're going to read from the book of Luke, um, looking at chapter 1, verse 5 to 25. The words should appear on your screen. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, that's okay. Uh, And we're going to... And just a bit of context for this passage, um, it's quite a long one, I won't read absolutely everything to you um, today. The passage kicks off in verse 5 by introducing Zechariah and Elizabeth. We're told that they're quite an old married couple uh, and that they love God uh, and they've been following his commands faithfully for years and years. We're told, sadly, that they're childless because Elizabeth wasn't able to have a baby. Uh, And Zechariah, um, he was a priest in the temple at Jerusalem uh, and, and that's a bit like a vicar. Uh, and, he, um, he, and he was in the temple one day. He was called in to do one of these um, kind of ceremonies. And, uh, and, and whilst he was doing this, something happens to Zechariah. Let's read what happens. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Should be on the screen. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. I'm standing in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And then I'm going to skip to verse 24. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And I've got a confession for you this morning. And when I first read verse 25 that Elizabeth said, I thought that she was worshiping God for shutting her husband up. Um, but that's not what's happening. You might, you might have found that too, but we'll, we'll read about that in a sec. <laughs> my first encouragement I think this passage has for us today is God swaps disgrace. God swaps disgrace. When I was 14 years old in high school, there were some subjects that I was really good at, and there were some subjects I was not so good at. And one subject above all of them that I was terrible at was English. Okay? I was awful at English. And uh, anyone else rubbish at English in school? Anyone else hate hate that subject or it hate you for some reason? Yeah, great. Me too. Uh, And... (laughs) And guys, I was so bad at English that I was moved in year 8 from set 2 of 6, which is pretty good, right? Set, You know, second to top, second place. It's great. I thought it was good. And in year 8, they moved me not to set 3 or 4 or 5, to set 6. All the way to the bottom. One year. One summer, I was moved. Um, and, and in year 10, I failed my GCSE in English Literature. Um, And when year 11 started, I was to start doing GCSE English Language, which for any teachers or parents in the room, you'll know that this is the important one, the one you need to get into university. And they make you do again and again and again and again until you get it right, okay? Um, And so that was the one I was supposed to start that. But um, but by this point, by year 11, I, I, I had it in my head that it was absolutely hopeless, that I just wasn't good, at English that that was just me I'd given up I'd felt that others had given up on me and it's a strong word but I felt really embarrassed all my friends were good at it. all my family were good at it and I felt a bit disgraced because of that that was until um, the first day of year 11 where um, my English teacher she came to speak to me she sat me down and she said John I know English is a real real struggle for you but I believe in you You have absolutely got what it takes to do this. We're going to give you some extra support. We're going to find you a tutor. And with a bit of hard work, you've got it in the bag. Aren't teachers amazing? Aren't they great? Let's hear it for teachers, everyone. Yes. Um, If you're a teacher, keep doing what you do. You don't know the impact you have. There you go. Take that encouragement. Um, But because of this amazing teacher uh, in my year 11, the labels that were spoken over me, that I spoke of myself, were swapped the disgrace and embarrassment that I had was swapped. And my story was rewritten from that point on. And I did, in fact, get a GCSE in English language. It was great. And thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, I did it. Well done. I got a C. (laughs) Uh, But this moment, I believe, was a key part in that achievement. This story is a little bit like in our passage where Elizabeth says this in verse 25. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has, shown me his, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Elizabeth, she was an old married woman, right? We know that. Um, and she, wasn't, she, was, she longed to have children, um, but she wasn't able to. She wasn't able to. And, uh, and because of her age, we can pretty accurately assume that she'd given up. On ever being able to have children, Elizabeth was going about her life being resigned to the fact that she was never going to have children. We can pre- that, that's a that's a pretty well-known theologically reflective fact that, that I've read in a few um, that a few theologians agree on, right? And I think I think that must be true as well. But um, but also because of that and um, because of the context, we can understand even more. And in this culture, a woman's role and maybe even responsibility was to have children so so much of women's identity and sense of purpose must have been wrapped up in and maybe even built on having children. So you can only imagine the daily struggle for Elizabeth. The word Elizabeth uses herself is disgrace. Disgrace that she wasn't able to do the one thing that that culture said she was there for. This was a label on Elizabeth. But something I love about Elizabeth um, and her character is that in the depths of this disgrace uh, and and this daily struggle, verse six of our passage says, Elizabeth observed the Lord's commands blamelessly. Elizabeth, she stuck close to God in in the middle of this horrific situation. But then after years and years, of this, uh, of this kind of horrible situation and sticking close to God, an angel appears to her husband, Zechariah, and says this, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear your son and you are to call him John. Just like my English teacher swapped my academic disgrace for hope that I could do my English GCSE, God swapped Elizabeth, Elizabeth's disgrace, and put hope in its place. The label's, that Elizabeth spoke over herself, the labels that the world around her spoke over her were swapped. And God promised Elizabeth a child. And Elizabeth, she does get pregnant, um, and she says this in verse 25, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace. John hasn't even been born yet by this point. And... And we know that because it says she's been in seclusion. uh, Sorry. And we know that no one else knows because it says she's been in seclusion for five months. So it's just her and God at this point leading us to believe that it wasn't the kind of physical baby that swapped her disgrace. The thing that swapped Elizabeth's disgrace was God. The good news for us today is that God swaps our disgrace and he replaces it with hope. You might be here today carrying labels that have been spoken over you, maybe labels you put there for whatever reason. You might even be walking with long-term pain or disgrace like Elizabeth. You might have had things in your life that you really wished that would happen that didn't. Maybe that's to do with your health, maybe maybe that's a relationship, maybe that's your family, maybe that's your career. Maybe a bit like me in doing my GCSE, I'd label myself as stupid and I carried the the embarrassment and the disgrace of being a failure around with me and if any of that is you I think the Lord today would like to encourage you um, with the words, the simple words of the angel Gabriel and he said do not be afraid your prayers have been heard do not be afraid your prayers have been heard Just like my teacher who sat me down and swapped my academic disgrace for hope, God swaps our disgrace and put his hope there. Regardless of whether the things that we long for, the things that we've been dreaming of or praying of happen or not, God hears our desires and our prayers and he wants to swap our disgrace and our pain for hope and freedom. The next encouragement in our Advent adventure is God Silences Doubt. God Silences Doubt. A couple of days ago, I was in a fish and chip shop. Let's hear it for fish and chips, everybody. Flipping, yes, love fish and chips. Um, and I placed my order with the lady at the till, and she said, would you like to play cash or card? And, she, um, and I said, card, please. And she said, ooh, Can't do that, I'm afraid. Car machine's not working. And I said, oh, I I don't actually have any cash on me today, and I'd love to have some fish and chips. Would you mind me just having a go? And she said, absolutely not. I've tried 10 times this morning. It's not going to work. It's definitely, definitely, definitely not working. And a thought popped into my head. I don't know if this ever happens to you. A thought popped into your head. And the thought was, God, wouldn't it be pretty cool if you made this car machine work if I prayed for it? And that was the thought. And let me tell you, the thought was not, in the name of Jesus, I command this card machine to work. Amen. That wasn't the thought. The thought was it was a half faith, half baked prayer in my head. Right? And so I said, Would you mind just just give me one more go? What's the harm in that? And she said, Fine. And I tapped my phone to the card machine. And lo and behold, it worked. It was great. And the the lady said, and these are her words, not mine. She said, oh my God, it's gone through. And and I'll be honest, guys, I I shouldn't have said what I said next because I didn't tell her a word of what was going on in my head. I said, that's what happens when you pray. Don't know what she thinks of me now, but I got my fish and chips. That's for certain. (laughs) This is a little bit like in our passage where the angel Gabriel says this to Zechariah, verse 19 and 20. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words. The Bible is sometimes funny, right? Right? It's all right to admit that. It's okay to laugh at the Bible when it's funny. This is quite funny because um, Zechariah, he's an old man. He's a very respected priest in the temple of Jerusalem. And now for nine months, he's got to play charades. Nine months straight. But what happens before this is Zechariah, he went into this private space because the duty he was assigned to do was this kind of, uh, it was in the, the, the altar of incense, which is like a private space. Um, uh, and in, it's in this context that the angel appears to him. Uh, and an angel, um, angel Gabriel, appears to him, and he says, um, he says, to him, he tells him that his really old wife is going to have a baby, and um, and this is the news that Zechariah has been waiting for his whole married life. And what does he do? He says he needs some proof. He says he needs some proof. He doubted. And what does God do? God makes Zechariah eat his words by silencing him, just a bit like that lady at the chip shop. Um, Her doubt was silenced in that chip shop of of her card machine. I could almost see her wanting to eat her words when when it it went through. She was was flabbergasted. Um, God silences Zechariah's doubt. Also, how human is that reaction? A literal angel of God. I don't picture that. Picture that right now. It's probably not the tinsel halo with the plastic wings. It's probably not that. Everyone who meets an angel is absolutely terrified. They're probably massive. They're probably really bright. They're probably really scary. Whatever that is, picture that. An angel appears to Zechariah, and he says this amazing news. You're going to have a child after after years and years of praying. And what does Gabriel do? He says, sorry, mate, I'm going to need to see some proof. I'm going to need some evidence that this is going to happen. I love that, I love that human reaction. But it's not like Zechariah doesn't have any faith. It's not like he's got zero faith. We know that he, um, that he has a faith. We know um, uh, that he is, um, he's been praying for a child for years. We know that he's a, um, a respected priest in the temple of Jerusalem. He's clearly got faith, so what's the deal with his reaction? Why does he react this way? Well, the thing, the thing that helps me understand and that helps me describe this reaction um, is a little bit like my reaction, um, my, my half-faith prayer in the fish and chip shop. Zechariah's reaction is a half-faith reaction. It's a half-faith reaction. I don't know about you, but I find this so relatable. I have faith. I know some of you have faith. I believe. But sometimes it feels like a half-faith. Sometimes one faced with challenges in life or something difficult or, or a person that's difficult, it's just, it just feels like, God, I know you're there. I know I love you. I know you love me. I know you're faithful. I know you're good. But I just don't see how you're going to work in this environment. I just don't see how you're going to work in this relationship or this situation. But just like God used my half-faith prayer in the chip shop, God, in the middle of Zechariah's Half-faith reaction at the angel's news, God still provided Zechariah with a son. He still did that. Some more good news for us today. God uses half-faith prayers. There's a uh, a verse that I love, Uh, Matthew 17, verse 20, it says this. If you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. We can have a faith as small as the tiniest seed on this planet, and things can happen. Things can happen. How God, how good is our God for that? How merciful and gracious is our God for that? That he takes what little faith we have, he multiplies it, he fills in the gaps, and with so little, with a half faith, things can happen. How amazing is that? How how gracious and merciful is our God for that? Meaning that we don't have to have it all together. Meaning that we don't have to be some kind of superhero Christian. Godly provision, miracles, signs, wonders, supernatural joy, all these things can be an everyday thing for everyday people just like you and me. So in our Advent adventure, this morning we've had God swaps disgrace just like my English teacher and God swaps our disgrace for his hope and this uh, this is God's plan regardless of whether the outcome or situation changes or not we can have hope next we've had God silences doubt just like me at the chip shop with the card machine God silences doubt and he used and he uses half-faith prayers and ordinary people just like you and me. My final encouragement for us today, if you're taking notes, it is God speaks destiny. God speaks destiny. In our passage, the angel Gabriel, um, he gives um, the greatest news to Elizabeth and Zechariah, some amazing news about their son, John. Great name, by the way. Uh, and he says this about John. And he will go on before the Lord in, spirit and, and in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heads of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In its very nature, this news that Gabriel is speaking is, is, is so full of hope for Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? Right? who haven't been able to have a child. And this news to this old, married, prayerful, faithful couple must have been so over the moon incredible, right? But this isn't the best news that Gabriel just shared. You might have missed it. There's better news that he just said. There's way better news than that. Gabriel says that John, who later becomes John the Baptist, will go before the Lord. And this Lord that Gabriel is talking about is who the Jews which is the culture we're looking at right now. Um, um, and This Lord to the Jews is known as the Messiah or the Savior. And and in Jewish culture at this point, they're all waiting, all of them, every single one of them, they're waiting for the Lord, for this Messiah, this Savior that they're talking about. It's been prophesied by their prophets. It's been written by their writers in their religious texts and in our Old Testament, in the Bible, for literally thousands upon thousands of years. Written that there is a Messiah coming who will overthrow the oppressive armies that have been set against the Jewish people. And the Jews at this point, they were occupied by the Romans. They're pretty big and bad, aren't they? But they've also been conquered by the Babylonians and other nations very recently to this point. All of the Jews are waiting with bated breath for this Messiah, for this Lord And then here, Gabriel tells this old married couple, yes, I'm going to speak hope now uh, to you now with the birth of your son, um, John. But not only am I going to do that, I'm going to speak destiny into your future. Your son, John, will go before the Lord, this Messiah, this Savior, and prepare his way. So who is this Lord? Who is this Messiah, this Savior that they're talking about that's such a big deal? It's Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. And I've got a a few um, spoilers for you for the rest of the story. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, he came. Not in strength with an army like the Jews thought, but in weakness as a baby. And for everyone who believes, even today, even us, Jesus, he took our sin and our mess and our disgrace and our doubt and as Jesus died, because he was sentenced to death on a cross, which, which is a brutal way to die, and as, and as he died on that cross, so did all of our sins, so did all of our mess, our disgrace and our doubts. that died too. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead because he was sinless, he was perfect, he was blameless. He ascended to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit, which is just the God, uh, the presence of God with us. So instead of one person in one place for one nation, he is in every heart across the world for all who believe. Pretty cool, right? So the good news for us today, other than all of that, which is pretty great, the good news for us today is that God is speaking destiny over us today. Our job is a little bit like John's. Um, the baby, later to become John the Baptist, says to go before the Lord and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In other words, go into your lives, take Jesus with you and introduce the people around you in a simple way that's just you. You're not required to be anyone else but you. You're not made to be anything else but you. To so take Jesus into your lives and introduce him to the people Around you. Introduce Jesus um, to to your friends and to your family with his transforming and loving presence. In various different parts of the Bible, it talks about God having a bespoke, unique, individual plan for us. And I believe that God. Um, He's got these big plans, right? There's Jesus, there's Moses, all the stuff we read about in the scripture, but also to come. I think he's got big plans. Jesus is gonna come again in glory. Once again, you can read about that in Revelation if you'd like. He's got big plans, big, big plans. But I believe God's also got little plans or what feel like little plans to us. Just like me at the chip shop when the card machine worked. I think that was God. I think God's got little plans for us. You might be here today feeling a bit lost. You might be here today feeling a bit out of control, or maybe just a bit in the unknown in your life right now. If that's you, I just want to encourage you today that there is a God who loves you. There is a son, Jesus, who died for you, and that there's the the, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that can be with you, and it can be in you if you'd like. God wants to speak destiny over you today. And he's got plans for you. And his plans, they're always good. And as I come into land today, I want to encourage those of us today who are maybe a bit like Elizabeth. Maybe, maybe you've been walking in long-term pain or disgrace. Maybe things in life haven't quite gone your way the way you planned it to. Maybe for years. Or maybe you're a bit like Zechariah. You've got some doubts. And that doubt might look like a half faith. You've got some faith, but sometimes it doesn't feel like a whole faith. And you're just like, God, I'm just not sure this area of my life, this relationship, this thing, this struggle. I'm just not sure how you're going to work through that. It might look like that. But doubt for you also might look like you've been exploring faith. You've been in this church or other churches or been doing the Alpha Course or something like that and you've been exploring for a while, and you still don't know. You still don't know if Jesus is real. You still don't know if he loves. You You still don't know it in your knower, so to speak. Am I might look like that. And if any of this is you, um, then I'd love to encourage you um, with a line of a very famous hymn. And I'll close with this, if the band want to come up. The very uh, very famous hymn is called Great is Thy Faithfulness. Give it a listen later. And the line is strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Jesus wants to speak hope to you now. Right here, today, right now. But Jesus, he also wants to speak destiny over you today and give you a bright hope for tomorrow. Because, boy, has he got plans for you. Big plans, good plans.